welcome to episode 12 of Lights in the Sky podcast, casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. And uh, I'm Tony from episode 12 of and Lights in the Sky podcast, uncasual chat about casual things. <laughs> or words to that effect. Right. Um, we're finally back. We've had two weeks of not recording. When was the last time we podcasted? Two weeks ago. Exactly two weeks ago? I don't know. I'm not ready for such questions. <laughs> I think it was more than two weeks, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, we had two recorded ones, so it was more like three weeks. Wow. With, yeah, two episodes. I think I've forgotten how to podcast. Yeah. Um, did you prepare a song and dance number about how we're finally back? I think I didn't. There you go. <laughs> Wait, uh, no, I can't. I won't. I mustn't. Um, do, have you had any, uh, given that in the break, which wasn't a break for listeners, we just did a couple of ringers. Um, <laughs> yeah, we called right. in a couple of um, gap fillers. Given that we've had uh, pretty much three weeks apart, anything paranormal happened since the last recording? No. Me neither. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> That's good because very little does something paranormal happen. <laughs> I'd, I'd hate for it to happen and then not ask. Yeah, I mean, I remember it did almost happen and you didn't ask. Yeah. Weird plane thing. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Flight flight to Minneapolis or something like that. Yeah, your yeah. flight to Auckland that scheduled for Minneapolis. Um, okay, so have you had a good week? Sir? Week, sir. Yeah, so I've uh, been to uh, Land of the Free, Home of the Brave. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> Is that the North Island? <laughs> so um seattle san fran did that came back you um, went to the museum of flight i did saw planes touched planes any um any choice things there that you need to mention uh, anything just... that started as a secret government machine no you didn't see a blackbird oh uh, maybe <laughs> no i did there were actually quite a few um aircraft there there was um that were, um, no, it's probably actually probably too, too much dimensions. So I won't mention any of them. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's ice cold. <laughs> um, so we, I think we had uh, a couple of World War II bombers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. What about World War Three bombers? There was a World War One section, <laughs> a World War Two section, yeah, uh, World War Two bombers, and yeah, there cool. was uh, uh, the original Air Force One seven zero seven. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there was some sort of secrets exchanged on board there <laughs> yep. the communication apparati on board there were <laughs> uh quite chunky <laughs> right chunky um i think they had to be chunky to handle big secrets yeah. they had like a safe where they put the um they should, there's the safe where they would lock the briefcase with the nuclear codes in it really on board it. And it was like a proper heavy duty safe yeah it weighed a lot yeah is it is there a combination on the suitcase as well as the safe, do you reckon? Uh, you'd think there would be. Three? Three numbers? Three yeah. numbers? It's got to be... Five numbers? Yeah, I don't know. A hundred hey. numbers? Because yeah. <laughs> someone will have the codes for the codes. Who produced the codes, though? Where do the codes come from? Aliens. Be... Aliens. Illegal aliens. If Trump <laughs> wants to get rid of all those, then he's going to get rid of all the codes. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Let's see if we can find that out at some point. Where do the codes come from for the nuclear codes? Shall I Google it? Yeah. But surely they have to be changeable. They have to change all the time. Well, like, yeah. Because you can't have... But how often would you change it? And then who's, cha- who's, who's 
and surely is there what's the security between replacing the existing codes with the old codes yeah i mean what if the guy does it wrong and then he's the only one that knows yeah the person making the code surely has got a lot of power yeah or are they just randomly generated? I mean, like these days, it, might, it must be like it could be a computer algorithm or something. But how did they do it in the nineteen sixties? It's a good point. Chalkboard. Ooh, they just like, carry a chalkboard. Don't chalk like the sound. One of those etch sketches oh, that like, if you shake it, they disappear. They're okay. I just hate the sound of chalk. Eh? Not, not, a, not a big chalk. I don't think I could have gone to school in those days. Yeah. Did you? When you went to school, were they whiteboards from the start? I think from the. I think primary. The first couple of rooms of primary were chalk. Mm. Um, but everything went white. Oh yeah. You were at, oh yeah. I was at a school that had chalk up until the final two years. Wow. That's the this kind of hood I grew up in. <laughs> what do you think happened to the production of, like, if you bought shares in the chalk industry, um, like, say, 25 years ago? Well, the street artists are much better with chalk. I reckon those ones that, you know, you stand on a certain spot and it looks like it's a big cliff face or something. Yeah, I know, but there's only, so, I mean, they're not... They're not not throwing a lot of money in it. Just, and in fact, I think um, even the parking wardens are going digital, where they don't chalk tyres anymore. You'd think that would have really happened, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think it is happening. So there's Man, less I, I am glad I did not pour billions of dollars of my own money into chalk. <laughs> <laughs> Do what, you think that... What do I you mean, think? Well, there, here's the thing, though. It's not just the chalk people that suffer. It's the blackboard-making people as well. Yeah, I think the blackboard people might suffer more than the chalk people. It's only the cafe industry keeping them in business. Yeah. yeah. Sort of uh, funky hipsters with their, their uh, blackboard specials. Yeah. Um, codes are generated daily and provided by the National Security Agency to the White House, the Pentagon, United States Strategic Command, and TACAMO, which doesn't <laughs> gives me an abbreviation with nothing else. TACAMO. For an extra level of security... The list of codes on the card includes codes that have no meaning and therefore the president must memorize where on the list the correct code is. Um, the concept behind the codes is that they permit the president to positively identify himself as the commander-in-chief and thereby authenticate a launch to the National Military Command Center. Why can't you just use like his mother's maiden name? Like you always get when you do a bank password. Mm. It's always like... Um, your What was your pet's name growing up? Yeah. <laughs> I was used to when I call Westpac the bank. They were like, um, and just need your password. It may be your mother's maiden name. <laughs> I'm like, well, it obviously is then. <laughs> like, why do you say that? I remember that happened to my dad, and now it happens to me. We had one with the, uh, when I was um, in business with someone else, the um, company records, uh, the business partner rang up to get them, and they said, what was the color of your first car? And he said, well... It was blue, but I might have said light blue. And they said, which one? He said, light blue. They're like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) And they can't just say, what was it again? He says, well, blue then. Because they have to go to a different question, which he got wrong as well. (laughs) He's like, well, now what do we do? Um, Anyway, um, jump into a quick hypothetical. Yep. So Um, hypothetically, I have a light blue car. Yeah. Yet I say blue when I call up. That was the thing for me. I'm like... Um, I'm not sure that you need to be as elaborate as Just light say blue. blue. Yeah, because <laughs> light blue is blue. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so here's a hypothetical. There's a few kind of lead-in questions. Okay. Are they true or false questions? Um, they are true questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Um, Are they multi-choice? Do you believe that the government has secret machines that they're working on? As in technology we are not aware of, that they don't make public. Not the New Zealand government. No, (laughs) governments in general, any world governments. Yes, I do. Do you believe that governments have had contact with extraterrestrial life? Yes, I do. Do you believe some of this is in Area 51? Yes, I do. If you could get a tour of Area 51 and had all of these answers explained, but had to give up your house to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Would you? Would you give up your house? So the answers, so I'd I'd get 100% truthful answers. Yep. You'd you'd know all the secrets. So potentially, I've got Area 51, and all it is is like a bunch of old refrigerators. (laughs) Potentially. That are like leaking fluid all over the floor and they're like oh there's got so many refrigerators in here it's just a problem it's a real problem for us that's the risk you have to take yeah. if okay. there if there is none like you you've said that you think there is um refrigerators are area yeah, there's important stuff going on in there <laughs> i do yeah yeah um if you could if you could give up your house to find all of that out would you so when you say give it up this this is where i knew you were gonna go <laughs> Like, does it, do you mean like I would just hand the key over to somebody else and like all the stuff is gone as well, or do I keep my possessions but can just relocate them? Or let's say you hand the key over, all the gear, all the gear goes with it. You, you've got it's like a even the squeaky chair and the ironing board. Where will we podcast? <laughs> it's a, let's say it's like one of those competitions where you're in a toy shop and you've got a trolley and one minute. So you've got one minute to grab all of your most important slash prized things, or everything you can. In a minute. In yeah. a minute. You've got okay. a minute to grab all your stuff. They used to be really popular, those things. They, they did. don't really do them anymore. I reckon yeah. it's like health and safety, because it's like really, really dangerous to be running around like a lunatic. Yeah, or, I don't know, is smaller stuff more expensive now? Because like, you could just load up on an entire trolley full of the latest Contact Samsung discs. Galaxy. <laughs> say like an s8 like the one i got that's here somewhere um that i need to show you you haven't seen it yet i have no i haven't yeah no that's what i said i need to show you anyway you could just nowadays you could just load up on a bunch of stuff that would be really expensive for the shopkeep to replace Whereas in the old days, it's like you get a computer. You, it's but you not can put those more your... than a minute's runaway, and then you can't get them at a big store. <laughs> and just have your compact and floppy disks at the front. So Surely. <laughs> you got to wade through. Yeah. Yeah. Wade through just a river of chips and. Yeah. And like single and like single slice toasters, which was, yeah. was so disappointing to have a single slice toaster. Yeah. I don't even get those, but. Yeah. Bags of compost. Yeah. Uh, compost. <laughs> yeah. So it's those rules. You've got a minute to grab everything from your house, then you hand over a key and you're gone. So you can grab your phone, you can grab your laptop and some of those things. Well, I can't find my phone. I'm like, oh, bring my phone to me! <laughs> I can't find it! <laughs> <laughs> and it's on silent, I can't find yeah, it. Yeah. like, all right, get out. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got to give up your house minus one minute's worth of stuff. Could I come stay with you? With me? I'm homeless. How long for? Well, I'm homeless. I'm not going to say yes, because I'm not letting you live there. You can move in until you had your affairs in order. Thank you. There we go. And there's no time limit. We're done. Um, (laughs) Could I tell anybody else about the um, secrets? 
Yes, but there's no guarantee they believe you. Could I try and sell the story, like to the Women's Day? Yeah, <laughs> Australian Women's Weekly. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, you could try and sell the story. Right. So I reckon I could be quite. I'd be like, oh, okay. So how did you find this out? Well, I had to get my house up, and for some reason they'd been told me all these secrets. <laughs> they're like, that sounds like a crazy story. And I'm yeah. Like, mm. The story would probably hinge on this weird thing happened where the guy right. had a minute to grab all his belongings. Yeah. Here we go. I'd do it. Yep. And I'd sell the story. Okay. Uh, make a doco. We can make a doco. Who? You. Me. Us. About the this hypothetical us. thing. No, the real thing. If it actually really happened. Well, it's a hypothetical. So it's but not. it really happened. We can make hypothetically. We can make a hypothetical documentary. Yeah, but I mean, people have made documentaries and they claim certain things. And yeah, but ours will be the most believable. Why? Because I'm on it. <laughs> be most believable to you then. Yeah, you already I'm, know the stuff. Well, I'm probably the only one watching it. So. <laughs> I wouldn't believe you. Wouldn't you? <laughs> um, okay, then let me ramp this up a notch. You've said that you would. I'm doing it. Okay. I'm going to add a second tier to this. I'm living with you, and I am going there. Not for long, because the second part of this is... Oh, I don't know if I want to hear the second part. (laughs) Would you do it if you had to give up your house? You still get the one minute, but you cannot have contact with anyone you know. As in, you're sworn to secrecy to the point where you've got to give up all of your friends and family and colleagues and but you still get to find out all that stuff i don't know to tell about it you can tell people you'd have to make new friends but there'd be crazy conspiracy friends no offense to <laughs> conspiracy friends listening i mean so i think yeah, I've that's real smooth. i think i've destroyed half our audience now <laughs> no like I, I i think like i think our audience is probably more relaxed about conspiracy theories mm. than the fact that we're about. in the comedy section of itunes yeah rather than anything else but yeah um I probably wouldn't do it then. Wouldn't do it? No, because I don't, I don't want to be left out in the cold with having to make new friends. Here's a variation on that then. You probably wouldn't, but it sort of takes away sort of takes away the pressure of making new friends. The third scenario I is... I going to be? No, 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 no. They set up a bunk in Area 51 and you have to live there. A bunk? Yeah. <laughs> like a bedroom. You have a bedroom in oh, Area okay. 51. How Full big, access to everything. How big's the bedroom? Well, irrelevant. Does it have an ensuite bathroom? Yes. So do I have to share a bathroom? Do you have to share a bathroom? Yeah, no, I wouldn't have to share a bathroom, would I? Oh, that's a loud motorbike. It is. What sort of neighbourhood are you living in? Come on! Oh, I hate people like that. <laughs> anyway. They make me so angry. You get a bedroom with an ensuite. So I don't have to share a bathroom? Um, no. But there are cleaners. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I just don't like cleaners. Like really? I always put up the do not disturb when I go away. Oh, you don't like cleaners. That's another real... I don't like the cleaners in the rooms with my stuff. Ooh. I guess because I have expensive stuff. Yeah, but what about your state of your room? Don't you want it cleaned? I'm not that messy. I clean it myself. Really? You're yeah. on holiday? If you've got other people cleaning... Oh, I'd love yeah. it when people come to clean the room. Nah. You just got to get a wee tip for them. That's fine. Oh, I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. I've done it before. It's just I prefer not to have cleaners in my room with all my stuff. Oh, jeez. Mr. Elitist over here. <laughs> well, I tend to, when I'm at work, travel with thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment. It's not my equipment, true, but I'm just digging a hole. Anyway, you hate people who work as cleaners. <laughs> also not true. Um, okay, if I had an ensuite bathroom that I was the only one using and someone mm-hmm. cleaned it, then I'd do it. 
Someone doesn't clean it then. Let's say no. Let's say there's no cleaner. <laughs> Work perfect for you then. <laughs> um, yeah, so I do that. Yeah. Live on the base. Yeah. What about can you? I, can I kind of like do stuff for the base? You had to be the cook or no. the cleaner. No. And I don't want to be abused by you being a cleaner. <laughs> and that was how you paid your mortgage because you still had to pay the mortgage on this house. Well, even though I don't. Live... Yeah, even though you don't live here, it's part of the deal. No. <laughs> you're just sitting in the screws. No. Just, you just want me to say no. As soon as I find something I'm accepting, you don't allow me to have You it. wouldn't do it. No, I'm not paying the mortgage. Oh my God. So I don't, I mean, I'm happy to live there and just be like, just hang out in Area 51 and have an ensuite bathroom. Yeah. But I don't want to have... Without cleaners? Uh, even if without the cleaners, I'd, I'd do it. I mean, I don't mind cleaning a bathroom. Your own bathroom? Yeah. Let's say you had to clean your own bathroom plus one other once a week. Mm, <laughs> no. Okay, let's, let's, let's put this to bed because I'm just finding scenarios for it not to work. <laughs> That was weird. I went to itch my ear, but I'm going headphones <laughs> yeah, on. on yeah. <laughs> cool. That's all, really. Okay. Um, so I believe it's your turn, turn to educate me on a story. So when we spoke earlier Today, on the telephones, you you guessed what I'd chosen to do. I guessed um, UFO or sea serpent. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I have to say, I stumbled, it's going to be a sea serpent. I stumbled across this wee one when I was away. It's definitely a sea serpent. I can tell by the look on your face. It's uh, a tail from the depths of San Francisco Bay. <laughs> it's not a serpent. <laughs> this was though. too good to <laughs> turn down. Right. Hit me. The busy waters of San Francisco Bay may not seem like the likeliest place to find reclusive cryptids like sea serpents, <laughs> but both history and current events seem to contradict that assumption. Cool. Recorded sightings of large serpentine sea creatures in San Francisco Bay date back to the 1800s and continue to the present day. Prior to that, some of the animals carved into totem poles or painted on rocks by Native Americans resembled sea serpents. Really? Uh, uh. Did you find this while you were over there? It did come or up. Did you, did you... I, fa- I heard the story while I was over there. Because oh, you did a cruise out cruise on the... Cruise on the harbour. Which somehow made it under the bridge. <laughs> Both bridges. Both bridges. Yeah. Recent sightings include an observation of a serpentine animal raising its head and long neck from the water near the Golden Gate. That wasn't me. That was just something else. But it could have been. I was on the water. (laughs) And a woman who saw a large serpentine creature consume a whole pelican in one bite. What? I feel sorry for the pelican, eh? So is it the the sort of thing that they're saying kind of looks like the Loch Ness Monster or what people imagine? Exactly. Uh, Yep. So this is this, this is quite um, there's quite a, quite a number of tales here, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll launch into this first story. So this is um, sort of the earliest uh, fully fleshed out account I could find, uh-huh. um, and it has a remarkable witness who I think you'll quite enjoy. Okay, was o- it you? No. <laughs> <laughs> On October 31, 1983. Five members of a construction crew saw what they described as a 30-metre-long... I spent last night converting all of these from Imperial <laughs> Metric. Oh, what about nautical miles? <laughs> <laughs> Not doing any more. As a 30-metre-long sea serpent just north of San Francisco. 
a flagman named Gary saw it first. He's like, hello, I am Gary, and I'm readying my work crew member, Matt Ratto. We could easily put in some sound effects, and then it'll be like, <laughs> hey, Matt Ratto, this is Gary. He's like, go, go for Matt. That's quite loud. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, 0.016 nautical miles long. Great. <laughs> Ratto began looking, and he observed the sea serpent about 90 metres offshore and less than 400 metres away. Ratto said, the body came out of the water first. He added, it was black with three humps. He continued, there were three bends, like humps, and they rose straight up. He further described it as a humpy, flat-backed thing. <laughs> he he also, said three times there's humps, and then described it as humpy. Flat. Yeah, and then he called it humpy and flat. <laughs> he also made a sketch of the animal, which appeared to be round-headed, blunt-nosed, snake-like creature, followed by three vertical arches or coils sticking out of the water. Or humps? Yeah, San Francisco Sea Serpent has three humps. I was singing this song at work the other day, and the people in the room didn't know it. What? Anyway. Where have they been? Did you ask them where they've been? Did you clarify, where have you been? (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't. Um, another eyewitness, Steve Borger, said the sucker was going 45 to 50 miles an hour at 70 to 80 K. Wow. He also described the animal saying it was clipping. It was boogieing. It looked like a long eel. What? Now, here's my favorite witness. Oh, God. Marlene Martin, the Caltrans safety engineer who was overseeing the work crew, also saw the animal. She said, it shocked the hell out of me, adding... That thing's so big, he deserves the front page coverage. (laughs) Marlene went on to say, It was hard to describe how big it was. I have no creative imagination. Wow. (laughs) It was snake-like. It was like arched itself up, and it was so long it made humps across the water. It had a wake as big as a powerboat's, and it was going about 65 miles an hour, which is over 100 kilometers an hour. Mm-hmm. So this is, we've got about 30k faster than the last one. It's like really quick on water. Yeah. It looked like a great big rubber hose as it moved. If someone had gotten it in its way, it would have plowed right through them. Before it went underwater, Marlene saw it lift its head and a portion of its body directly behind its head out of the water, then open its mouth. It winked at her and then went about its day. <laughs> she said, it was like it was playing. She described the animal as a giant snake or a dragon with a mouth like an alligator's. She continued, it was at least 15 to 20 feet, 5 to 6 meters in circumference. And it was hard to tell how long it was. I mean, how long is a snake? Oh, wow. <laughs> Marlene Marlene. Marlene Martin concluded by saying, he should have the whole damn ocean. It's his territory. He's the king of the sea. No, he isn't. See, that is imagination. She said she's got no imagination. imagination. That is the most descriptive story I've heard. (laughs) In her head, she's got no imagination, but has seen an animal and imagined up a kingdom in the sea, and that was the king. But she can't describe how long a snake is. (laughs) What a strange thing. And also... She was in charge of a construction crew. She's the, she's the engineer. The engineer can't tell distances. Yeah. Like, you'd think they'd be good at estimating. Rather than coming up with stories. So that's our about. friend Marlene. Brilliant. So we don't, we don't hear from her any further. But, okay. Um, yeah. Um, just want to go back to the previous witness who said something about boogieing. 
Steve Bozier. Yeah, what it was, was boogieing. It looked like a long eel. Great. Yeah, it, was it was boogieing. It was clipping. It was boogieing. It looked like a long eel. It was cutting shapes. It was but, wearing roller skates. But the most compelling observations, including a video, come from brothers Bill and Bob. Bill and Bob Clark. The flowerpot men. Who have been searching the bay for serpents after they had a very close encounter with one in 1985. Interesting. So on February 2, 1985, twin brothers Bill and Bob Clark sighted an 18-plus meter sea serpent in San Francisco Bay that crashed into a submerged rocky ledge only 20 meters from where they were sitting in their automobile. It was around 7.45 a.m. and the water was calm. The Clark brothers were sitting in their car drinking coffee when they noticed a group of seals in the water. Some people say seals, some say sea lions. I'm not sure if there's a real difference. Let me get get Google on it. Then they noticed something unusual in the water approaching the group. The seals began to swim away and one of them headed for the seawall where the Clarks were parked. The seals were followed by the mysterious creature and according to Bob, Bill started saying it was Bill's... Sorry, I, 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 I effed that up. <laughs> and according to Bob, Bill started saying it was moving strange. He said, it was not a seal, it's a snake. Bob continued, we watched it coming in, undulating in a vertical manner, whereas most snakes undulate side to side. Um, this was up and down, creating humps in the water. Right. Interesting. You solved the seals and the sea lions yet? Uh, yes. Sea lions are brown, bark loudly, walk on land using their large flippers and have visible air flaps. Seals have small flippers, wriggle on their bellies on land and lack visible air flaps. Uh, nothing about air flaps. Oh, okay. We can assume seals. It's like, oh, I... No. I thought I saw the word flaps. <laughs> Um, the Clarks said the water was so clear that they could easily see the creature as it undulated at amazing speed like an uncoiling whip. They both estimated the length of the creature to be at least 18 metres. As it swam over the submerged rocky ledge, it stopped dead in its tracks. Then it appeared to slide a few feet across the water, creating a light spray. So it seems like this thing was chasing the seals or sea lions, maybe to try and eat one of them or something like that to get a mean food brew mm-hmm. and then kind of got stuck on this rocky ledge thing just in front of these guys sitting sitting drinking coffee in their car right just um when i typed in what's the difference it <laughs> gave me a couple of things okay to autocomplete one of them being what's the difference between me and my couch which i assume is a joke and it says something about um, the difference is that my couch pulls out. <laughs> but anyway, anyway. That's the weirdest thing. Yeah. You're searching this enough to get... This wasn't a history of your searches, is it? No, no. I swear. And the other one was, what's the difference between... Hang on. Between peanut butter and jam. That's easy. One's uh, peanut butter and one's jam. You would think so, right? Let me, let me click on one that's going to give me the... Nope, not reading that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't peanut so butter we... your... <laughs> you can't peanut butter your something into someone's someone. <laughs> someone's something. But you can jam it. <laughs> Anywho. That's why we're explicit. Dodging the explicit tag. Yeah. All right, go. So this 
apparent sea sediments now stuck on the rocks in front of the guys drinking coffee, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it apparently got stuck on the rocks. Bob said that the animal turned clockwise and exposed its midsection. It turned over like a corkscrew. Did it have a tramp stamp? It didn't, no. <laughs> it was pierced down there. <laughs> oh, the midsection, like a, a belly button. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He continued saying, After it twisted over and showed the underbelly, another section behind the underbelly came up about three feet out of the water. Uh-oh. Now, I got an excellent view of a fin-type appendage which opened up like an accordion fan. It stayed up for about five seconds. That's longer than you manage sometimes. Anyway. Yeah. Long enough for me to tell my brother, Bill, I'm going to look as long as I can so I can remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. That Um, sounds like two robots (laughs) having a conversation. After it twisted the midsection off the submerged rocky ledge, Bill said they watched the creature sit motionless in the water for five Ten seconds, then mm. it began to swim away using a violent downward thrust on its upper neck, which sent a pack of coils backwards towards the midsection. After a few seconds of undulations, the creature moved rapidly, just below the surface of the water, northward towards deeper water in the middle of the bay. Bill concluded his account by saying, I don't care if anyone believes me, I know what I wore. Saw. <laughs> I wore. I know it. I wore, and I wore it well. I wore it best. <laughs> it was too mind blowing and close for me not to say something about it. Interesting. So here's um a, here's a picture of what the accordion like fan. Whoa. Power cord. Power cord. Accordion like uh, flailing appendage was. Oh yeah. It's and like then, a little fin. Yep. And the next one down is showing like the creature's humps up and down in the water mm-hmm. with little uh, fluffy flappy I wonder things. if there's anything in nature that swims that way. Because snakes kind of do that, but sideways, right? Left to right. Yeah, that's what's saying how they say when they, they swim. It was, it was going um, side to side rather than up and down. Mm. So up and down rather than side to side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if anything else in nature swims that way. You know, it's kind of more like a fish going up and down, right? Is that what you're saying? This one was going up, up and, and down. down. Yeah. yeah. Whereas um, a snake would go side to side. Yeah. So the Clarks have had multiple sightings over the years. So they kind of took this like a personal vendetta to, to expose this creature for who it was. Yeah. Um, so over the years since their initial encounter with the creature that and have captured the serpent on camera and video. They also started a blog. <laughs> Didn't everyone? <laughs> They're going to start a podcast soon. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so here's a um, a photo apparently of the um, the creature that uh-huh. the uh, the clerks took. So explain what do you think that looks like? Um, static. Yeah. With a small hair on the lens. <laughs> Let me. Can you pass that over? All right. So. <clears throat> Yeah, looks like you can kind of see ripples in the water. What is this screenshot? I know, it's like it an old Apple thing. It's amazing, isn't it? It's got like the Apple Mac thing, um, like the rainbow logo in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> it's from this is like straight out of the eighties. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's a small kind of arch in what appears to be the water. As yeah, that's about. I mean, it's really grainy. Yeah, 
I think it's like it's like super zoomed in, and the yeah. look. so that's apparently showing the sea serpent's head raising out of the water. Right. I mean, probably wouldn't hold up in court. No, <laughs> probably couldn't pin that. Yeah, using evidence like uh, I accuse the sea serpent. All right, let's see a picture of him committing the crime. If someone saw that, you couldn't really assemble a lineup of things no. <laughs> and say which one was it. But it could still be the head of a sea serpent. Yeah, it could also know. be that. Yep. Yep. Who am I to judge? I mean, apart from the judge. Well, the judges, the judges can judge. I let the judge judge. <laughs> <laughs> like, they can tell the judge, you be the judge. You're like, well, yeah. I am the judge. Yeah, I just was. I'm, I'm appointed a judge. I get paid to be a judge. <laughs> yeah. On the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, yeah. how did Uncle Phil, as a judge, have all the money? Was he a lawyer first and became quite wealthy and then became a judge? Because he has a lot of money to live in that big house in Bel-Air. Yeah. So where did he get the money from? Whereas well, Being a judge. Did Why couldn't just, he use his judge money? Judges get paid that much? I thought, well, it depends what sort of judge, I guess. It's a big house for a judge. I'm sure judges are looked after like politicians or something, though. And I reckon you get more bang for your buck, money-wise, in the States. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court is paid 255000 Well, that's not that much. Appeal judges like are getting $211,000. Um, what did Aunt Viv do for a job? She was a kept woman, was she not? She was. I could be wrong. But yeah. I mean, he must have made money as a lawyer then. So, Unless he was a corrupt judge. So associate justices yeah. in the 1990s. Just die? Just to seize. 160,000? Yeah. Not much money. Not as much as that house suggests. See, I that's, he was, well, that's might be my problem with it. I don't understand how he's getting all that money. He's Maybe he's um, corrupt and getting money from criminals. Bribes. Yeah. So if I ask how did Uncle <laughs> Phil make his millions. It'd be funny if it just turned out that they um, there's a in the pilot he won the lotto. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's one such camera was how much did Uncle Phil make? <laughs> But it's more about what the actor, yeah, yeah, yeah. the now deceased actor got. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Reddit post, what was Uncle Phil's net worth? <laughs> I love the internet. Yeah. I was, I've was. i been watching a lot of the Fresh Prince on Netflix lately, and they seem to be very well off. <laughs> but does anyone actually estimate how rich the bank actually was? Mm. Maybe they are old money. Maybe it was like his parents or something. Did he have rich parents? Uh, they said, the comments are... They never said on the, never said it on the show. Next one is yeah. They don't ever say anything about it on the show. Just wondering if someone out there did any sleuthing and figured it out, like how someone figured out how much Joey owed Chandler on Friends. <laughs> and someone else says, my guess will be between one and ten million dollars. And the final one says about Tree Fitty. <laughs> it ties it right back around the sea serpents in a way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does it does actually yeah uh, the South Park episode, South Park episode that monster came out of the water <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I need about True Freddy yeah on January 26 2004 the Clarks were killing time this is like 20 20 years after the first sighting yeah waiting uh, for one of their cars to be repaired they seem to do a lot together these brothers I, 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 I like that mm-hmm. very, very close, close. Yeah. yeah and they were waiting in an elevated spot overlooking the bay 
the same brothers saw the sighting 20 years later. Saw had, the things that's, that, yeah, I think remember that bit I said earlier where they have seen it, um, they had um, they heard multiple sightings since the original oh, encounter. Right. They went nuts. They've seen it like in 1985, 6, 7. You know what they need to do? Bring a third person along. They do. Are you volunteers? <laughs> if it's a paid gig, I'll think about it. <laughs> Battery fitting. <laughs> Um, so they noticed the bay was fairly calm and there were no boats in the area. Right after that, they both noticed a black object in the water to the west of Alcatraz Island. And you know what they say about Alcatraz? No one ever gets in, no one ever gets gets out. out. That's right, perfect. (laughs) As the Clark brothers were watching it, trying to figure out what it was, two more black objects appeared to the left and behind the first object. Racist. Right away, Bob and Bill knew they weren't boats. There's the serpent. He's back. <laughs> then, in an instant, the whole area between Alcatraz and Angel Island was covered with so many black objects that the brothers couldn't count them all. Really? There appeared to be dozens of them breaking the surface and going back underwater. What? The Clarks looked at each other in astonishment. Bob yelled. He screamed to Bill to get the camera and film whatever he could. But Bill, knowing Bill, had already begun to get out the camera and began filming. For the next three With and a half... With the lens cap on? <laughs> yeah. Can't remember that. For the next three and a half minutes, he filmed as much as he could until the batch in the camera went dead. Brilliant. Three and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His arm was sh- yeah. His arm was sore by then. Oh. <laughs> My auntie once filmed a wedding for someone and said to the person, just set it up, sir. All I have to do is hit record. Yeah. And so the person set it up. All they did was hit record, filmed the entire thing with the lens cap on. <laughs> it was the only video. Is that amazing? The, the, the audio coverage of this wedding. <laughs> it really was. They yeah. could hear everything. It's like that um, that video that you did for Josh and Jess's wedding where like yeah. the camera crapped out and you had to use uh, images of me when I was doing the speech. When audio, oh, yeah, what was that? that? I was doing the speech and then the camera for some reason died and then you had to use stills of me <laughs> setting up. I, I never watched it back. You didn't? No. Nah. <laughs> I watched I'd, I'd been staring at that thing for too long. <laughs> All that time of the animal... Oh, sorry. At that time, the animal went underwater. So three and a half minutes, but it was... Camera battery died, but animal went underwater anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, video, obviously. You've got some evidence now. Uh, somewhat. So it was reviewed. So Clifford Paver of BSM Research Associates in California City, California. Didn't know there was such a thing as California City. Yeah. Reviewed this video. So Cliff is a missile defense and space science physicist who also uses his image analysis software and expertise to examine evidence on a variety of issues, including modern-day mysteries. (laughs) In his report, he stated unequivocally that BSM Associates determined that the video submitted by the Clark Brothers reveals an unidentified group of marine animals operating in the San Francisco Bay. Mm. The report stated, A single animal was observed to reverse its heading 180 degrees. This motion yielded good approximations of the animal's length and head-to-body scaling ratio. The marine animal indicates a total length of at least 75 feet, which is 23 metres, based on a variety of technical calculations made by Paiva. The BSM report also speculates on the identity of the creature. Although sea snake seems to be the most tenable conclusion, the authors do not dismiss the possibility of a less mosaur, for these animals. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a Lasmosaur, or a Lasmosaurus, is a prehistoric water creature thought to be extinct. Yep. Pavia also, you know something about this? Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing pictures of them. They're kind of like what you see. The, they've got the big f- flippers on, 
but um, what you tend to see when people picture an underwater dinosaur is much more like a stocky body with big jaws. Yeah. These things have a big long neck, kind of like a um, brontosaurus or whatever. Yeah. Um, just with flippers. Because looking from this description <clears throat> thing, because it does mean it's, it seems like a snake, but really long. It's long, yeah. thin with flippers and stuff all around the side of it. It's not like a, I guess you said, like the Nessie kind of creature, which is the head on a, on a roundish sort of body yeah. with little flippers at the side. Yeah. yeah. Think more snake than whale. I guess. Pavia also added a warning. Close observations of San Francisco-based specimens are certainly not well advised. Although the authors do not agree with the existence of sea monsters, we do recognise the existence of very large and potentially dangerous marine animals operating normally in what they may otherwise consider their winter warm water habitat. So he's like, stay the fuck out of that bay. <laughs> There's an F-bomb there. Oh, was it the first, the yeah, we, the first one? We just heard the explicit tag. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we think of there's those stories of Alcatraz where those guys escaped and were never seen from again. Yeah. And the little mystery stuff. Yeah. Eaten by a sea monster. Mm. Maybe. Definitely. They definitely were. Cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman of the International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, Maine. Yeah, one How of your do you get names. that title? Yeah, you think it's self-appointed. <laughs> I was just going to say, there's not like a university. I think it's like a ufologist. Right? I think you self-appoint yourself. Yeah, you gotcha. Yeah. So in Portland, you self-appoint Maine, yourself. I thought you'd self-appoint someone else. <laughs> Next, in Portland, Maine, which you you love. Yeah, do I? Yeah, Portland, Maine, one of your favorite places. Oregon, but carry on. No, you're like Portland, Maine. Reviewed the Clark Brothers video in 2007 and made a noteworthy comparison of the objects seen in the video with an illustration in the 1880s, and that's not right, it says 1800s, based on a witness description of a serpentine animal observed off the coast of New England. So, um, so that's great quality. They are the coast, is it not? Yeah, it is. Interesting. Portland, Maine, not Portland, Oregon. Yeah, that's right. So the one above... Yeah. So you're just showing me a couple of pictures. I'm showing you a couple of pictures here. So it looks like so the first one is obviously a uh, a painting. Yeah. Because um, they hadn't yet invented the camera. Yeah. For sea serpent capturing. Yeah. That's in the 1800s. Yep. So it's yeah. like the water with like a couple of humps rising off the ground, like little. Yep. Probably how many are in there? Probably six, seven. Seven and a bit. Seven and a bit. Yeah. And the one below is a really grainy image of yep. the video, and I've seen the video, and yeah. what it looks like is. These things just pop up from the surface, little like dots around. They seem to move around on the surface, uh-huh. and they pop back down into the water again. Interesting. Wouldn't mind seeing that video. We can do that for you. <laughs> we can make your dreams come true. We as in YouTube? Yeah, YouTube. <laughs> All right. That's pretty cool. Because um, looking at the photo, it looks like they're almost in a V formation. Which, if I was to analyse the photo, I'd say, well, that's just a bunch of birds taken from above. See, that was what they said. It could be birds, but they, uh, the way it moves around. When you look at the video, they do seem to move as if they're all connected together. Right. Which is interesting. Yeah. Or the Clark brothers made an elaborate rig for like the 20 Clark, years. Well, I've got to love the Clark brothers and their blog. Uh-huh. I, I did shouldn't look at, scroll too far down in case I did look at, I did look at their blog. It, you know, they could do the work on the blog. Squeaky chair. Right, so um, the Clark brothers aren't the only ones spotting sea serpents in San Francisco Bay and surrounds. So on February 28, 2006, a witness contacted the Clark brothers regarding an incident of Navarro Beach, about 200k north of San Fran. 
The witness was on a fishing boat about a half mile, 800 metres from shore, fishing for salmon. They were <laughs> chatting on the marine radio with nearby boats when the wife of one of the men on another boat said she could see a sea serpent nearby. Hey, Hey, look at that. Off the port bow, sea serpent. They were all laughing about it. <laughs> yeah, that'll be... Uh, until she told them where to look. And when they looked over, they saw the head of about... Uh, and about 2.5 metres of neck sticking out of the water. Wow. They were able to get within 45 metres of it. But when they tried to get closer, it went straight down under the water. And they never saw it again. Mm. Another witness related the following. My husband and I live in the Candlestick Point condos off the 101. And saw the sea serpent twice in the summer of 2007. The pop round for tea. <laughs> I saw it while driving alone. It was undulating in and out of the water, and I could clearly see what looked like several humps moving. We last saw it in August 2007. My husband saw it eat a pelican sitting in the water, and those birds are huge. <laughs> this occurred as I was driving and trying to watch the road. I didn't see it happen. But immediately after, we both witnessed a bunch of pelicans wildly dive-bombing the serpent in the water, as if on attack. Really? Interesting. Um, I think the first thing, that it said here at the beginning, uh, it was about, uh, and a woman who saw a large serpentine creature consume a whole pelican, it was her husband. It's mm. wrong. Yeah. Made a wee mistake. There. Inaccuracies. Jeez. One thing um, I recall from watching things about the Loch Ness Monster is people saying that the humps in the water are a result of a wake from a boat um, hitting the sunlight at just the right time. Right. Not not like a wake when someone has just died. No. no. More of the um, aquatic wake. Okay. Um, which could explain the humps, but it can't explain the something ate a pelican. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and other things of that nature. Speaking of wakes and death and... You're gonna bring this. You're gonna bring this down right now. Yeah, wait for the pelican. <laughs> Sorry for <laughs> wait it. Wait for the pelican. Um, and in 2014, the Clark brothers received a report, which comes from a former Marine Corps helicopter helicopter pilot that had extensive experience flying up and down the California coast, and he had seen whales, porpoise, sharks, and sea lions. He saw sea lions, not seals. Oh, from the air, he can tell they had air flaps. The pilot, who wishes to remain anonymous, recounted the t- following tale. So he says, I drive between Sacramento and San Fran several times a month. On my way back from San Francisco early this afternoon, I noticed a curious black object in the water. It was black, not shiny, but not dull either. It was sort of hump-shaped. understand that I only caught sight of this object for several seconds as I was driving away from it, now looking back over my left shoulder. In those several seconds, I observed the following. The object was black, smooth, and hump-shaped. Hard to judge size as there was nothing man-made near, it, but I would estimate the object to be approximately 4 feet, 1.2 metres long, and 60 to 90 centimetres, 1 to 2, two 3 feet wide. So it must be the head or something sticking yeah. The object did not seem to be moving. It slowly sank vertically out of sight in the few seconds I observed it. I noticed no horizontal movement, no splashing, no wake. Oh, wake. <laughs> For the pelican. <laughs> I have seen porpoise and whales, and they are typically grey or dark grey in colour. There was no dorsal fin. The water was fairly calm, and there were no ships or boat nearby. Again, no wake was evident. The day was partly sunny and warm. It was about 1.15pm. <laughs> <laughs> um, the pilot also added, uh, I am fairly certain what I saw was not any sea mammal I am familiar with. I don't really know what I saw, but it was very strange. 
especially so close to the bridge that he was driving on near the road. Mm -hmm. So to sort of wrap this one up, sightings of such creatures have been reported all along the California coast for decades. So what all of these witnesses have reported is not without merit. It should also be noted that several California lakes reportedly have their own version of Nessie lurking under the surface. If indeed dinosaurs inhabit the ocean off the California coast, the San Francisco Bay may be the ideal place for them to live due to the overwhelming amount of food in the area and the lively cosmopolitan lifestyle offered by the Bay Area. <laughs> like lucrative IT jobs. Yeah. It's interesting because I started out thinking this was a load of bollocks. But um, the stuff that you've said, the accounts from different people and the photos you showed me, I'm not, not convinced it is... Um, it is such bollocks. I thought it was bollocks when I heard it on the audio commentary on the boat tour. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is nuts. And I looked and was like, wow, there's actually a wee bit of evidence yeah, here about yeah. this one. It really is. Uh, so for all the jokes about sea serpents, I think I was pretty happy with pulling this one out. It was a perfect <laughs> combination of holidaying in San Fran, hearing about the sea serpents, yep. and uh, yeah, then retelling and recounting the tale to you all. I can just imagine the look on your face <laughs> when it came over the loudspeaker that there were sea serpents in the area. Yeah. We had little, uh, like, like what I'm wearing now for my microphone, very much like this for an audio commentary plug-in. Uh-huh. And they had just a wee commentary thing that was, it was terribly outdated because it, like, at times it would talk about a building that was going to happen and be built and then all of a sudden they'd talk about the building that had been built and it's like hmm <laughs> I'm dated that a bit better right but yes when they talked about the serpents inhabiting the harbour it was gold awesome yes, I was very happy good job I almost wanted to let you know straight away I was like nope I'll hang on to this yeah, yeah. Uh, gold mine here unbelievable cool. um so yeah from shall... sea serpents to strange yeah shall I get you some strange please so to explain to any new listeners, um, this is this segment of the show where I flip through the 1982 Reader's Digest edition of Mysteries of the Unexplained. Um, bought at a yard sale, church sale, flea fair market. feet, flea market for the princely sum of a couple of bucks. Um, just a bunch of... Not tree fitting? Just a bunch of... Um, of stories of the unexplained in here has proven to be very hit and miss <laughs> we've had some amazing ones but we've had some utter disappointments yeah yeah questions you're all so i'm going to flick through and you can say stop and i'll find a random story and read it out so flicking through now stop all right let me have a look at what section we're in We are in Appearances and Disappearances. And there's quite a few. Good. Um, Lay down some tall tales, big guy. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I apologize for that. <laughs> um, weird. This is like. It says Appearances and Disappearances, and then there's a big case about amnesia right in the middle of it. It's like someone forgot what section they were in, ironically. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to read one here. No disappearance in American history stirred so much speculation as that of New York Supreme Court Associate Justice Joseph F. Crater. What year was this? I'll find out how much you would have got paid. 6th of August, 1930. It's funny how these things se- seem to tie into the, did, the yeah. episode so perfectly sometimes. 
Um, tall, imposing, and dapper, the 41-year-old crater was a rising figure in the city's corrupt Tammany Hall Democratic Organization. He had withdrawn more than $20,000 from the bank at about the time of his appointment as interim justice. So 1960, did you say? Yep. Uh, $39,500. The fact that he withdrew 20000 um at about the time of his appointment as interim justice is suspicious then because it's half a year's salary the sum was close to oh what (laughs) the next sentence here says the sum was close to a year's salary (laughs) (laughs) the standard maybe if you were an associate justice yeah yeah junior associate anyway uh, the standard Tammany payoff for a... Do you want to know what that post. is equivalent to in 2016, money? Yep, 2016. Can we bring it into the next year? No, or? it's only going to be 2016. Okay, last year's money was his worth. $305,000. Wow. It was not a fruitless investment. According to investigators who later looked into his role as receiver of a bankrupt hotel, Crater sold it to a bonded mortgage firm for $75,000. And two months later, City agreed to buy it back for a planned street widening at a condemnation price of nearly $3 million. It's a bit cheeky. In 1930, Judge Crater and his wife went to their summer cottage in Maine. Hey, you like Maine. And we've just talked about Maine with Portland, Maine. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's all linked up. At the end of July, he got a telephone call and told his wife he had to get back to the city to straighten those fellows out. He made a trip to Atlantic City... Is that, is that gay converting? Is that what he's talking about? <laughs> Let's see. Let's see where this goes. Because I hope it isn't, because it's a terrible thing to do. <laughs> he made a trip to Atlantic City with one of the showgirls he favoured and was back in Maine by August 1st. On August 3rd, he returned to New York, and on August 6th, he had checks for more than $5,000 cashed, then spent the afternoon collecting papers from his office. That evening, with a ticket for a Broadway show in his pocket, he dined at a mid- midtown chop house sitting with a lawyer friend, William Klein, and his companion, a stunning showgirl named Sally Lou Ritz. Then Crater hailed a taxi, stepped inside, and disappeared forever. I don't know if they witnessed him actually like evaporate, or whether he just went missing. I'm assuming he just went missing. Just went missing. (laughs) The purported explanations for Crater's exit would fill a book. His shady political friends got rid of him before he could be summoned to testify as a graft investi- in a graft investigation. He died in the company of his mistress or a prostitute. He was lured to Winchester, sorry, to Westchester and killed in a dispute over a payoff. Or he decided to start a new life in Quebec, the Caribbean, or Europe. For decades after his disappearance, his name was a slang term for dodging one's responsibilities to pull a crater. <laughs> was to slip away for good all that can be said today was said in the 1930s Joseph F. Crater is either securely dead or else alive securely dead (laughs) Um, he would be in his 90s I guess at the time of this book being printed (laughs) in the 80s Perhaps pleased so to have carried off one of the most... So probably in his 120s now. Yeah, so he's probably dead by now either way. Yeah. Um, perhaps pleased to have carried off one of his most thoroughly investigated and mysterious vanishing acts on record. Vanished into the crater. Mm-hmm. There's one more small one here, which I might as well read as well, just as an extra bang for your buck. Uh, bank robber John Dillinger. Mm. 
according to authorities, was shot down by federal agents in Chicago July 22, 1934. But according to J. Robert Nash, a crime historian, the autopsy report showed that the corpse was shorter and stockier than Dillinger, had brown rather than blue eyes, and showed signs of rheumatic heart condition, which Dillinger did not have. Was there a cover-up for publicity purposes? Catching him greatly enhanced the prestige of J. Edgar Hoover's Bureau of Investigation, later known as the FBI. Did Dillinger, in fact, live on, secure in the knowledge that no dead man would appear in the Wanted Alive placards pasted in the post office wall? That's the end of that one. It's kind of an abrupt ending, but... Yeah. So they shot and killed a... um, a person that they said was the criminal, yeah. but it didn't match any so of them. got the, him! It's like, no. <laughs> you got someone. <laughs> You've just killed someone and claimed to be somebody else. Perfect. And taken some credit for it. Mm. Cool. So, um, I think that's about it from me. Anything from you? Wind this up, I think. Cool. So, on that note, I'll uh, we'll catch you next week. What do I say again? See you next week. Oh, toodaloo. Toodaloo. <laughs>